Welcome back to Five Questions Over Coffee. In today's episode, our host Stuart Webb sits down with Joshua Berry, author of the thought-provoking book, Dare to be Naive, and CEO of Iconic. They dive into the topic of transforming the workplace and helping leaders shift their mindset to create a more people-centered and innovative environment. Joshua shares his insights on the challenges organizations face when implementing new practices, the importance of shifting leadership behavior, and the concept of daring to be naive. Tune in to discover how embracing curiosity, trust, and experimentation can lead to positive change and greater impact in the world of work. Plus, Joshua unveils a free tool to help teams challenge their beliefs and pave the way for growth and success. Get ready for an enlightening conversation with Joshua Berry on five questions over coffee. Welcome back to It's Not Rocket Science, five questions over coffee. I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Joshua Berry. Joshua is the author of Dare to be Naive, which is a really interesting book, and the CEO of Econic. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Joshua, welcome to It's Not Rocket Science, five questions over coffee. Thank you, Stuart. Got my coffee and we are ready yeah. to rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. It's, uh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon for me. This is probably not what you should be drinking. I won't sleep. Uh, for the rest of the afternoon, which is normally what uh, we like to propose. Anyway, Joshua, yeah, welcome to, uh, to to the podcast. Delighted to have you here. Just uh, just for just for uh, clarity, kind of, uh, what is it that you're trying to do with Dare to Be Naive and your work at Econic? Who, who are the who are the customers you're trying to help at the moment? What problems do they have? What is uh, what is what is the sort of problem that you're helping them solve? Sure. You know, I believe in a lot of ways, uh, the workplace uh, is broken, right? Mm. We can go long strides in making uh, the world of work even more humane and more people positive. And a lot of the times uh, the people that we work with are leaders in strategy or innovation or growth or human resources. I, I think some of those leaders who are most also passionate about shifting the how and why of their businesses. And, um, you know, that's that's routinely where we meet them. And a lot of what, as you mentioned with the book, that we're trying to do is to help more of those people as they are trying to shift those ways of being within their organizations. And, and you know, come, a lot of these, these people will have tried things before they get around to reaching out to you. What, what things do you see them doing? What problems do you see them getting into before you're able to help them overcome those problems? Yeah, good question, Stuart. Um, I think there's there's a lot of people who are out there who know they need to do something different. And so you they rightly are looking at new practices for their organization. Maybe they are uh, looking into using Agile or, or DevOps, or they're looking at lean startup or, or new ways to do innovation in the organizations. Uh, maybe from an HR standpoint, they're looking at you know, remote work is a big example right now and, and return to work and they, they are experimenting with new ways of trying to shift how they do business but i'd say one of the the biggest challenges uh, and sometimes the mistakes that they run into is not well, two of them i guess we can get into uh, the, the first one is that they realize 
that while they're trying to adapt to these new practices, they're not actually taking the opportunity to help those people adapt as they're trying to practice those new things, right? Like the, the whole idea of, you know, if, if you dig into some of those practices, they're saying, we want our people to be more curious. We want them to be more trusting. We want them to be more experimental. We want greater collaboration. And yet, if you just pursue adopting one of those new practices and just push it down to people and use a traditional approach to it, you're missing out on this amazing opportunity to also involve people in practicing those behaviors, which you're actually hoping to get from some of those practices. So that's that's a big piece of it. I think a second one is uh, not also taking the opportunity to do shifts in leadership mindset behavior. A great example is in the innovation space, trying to get people to be more creative or experimental or even spinning up innovation labs, but not investing equally in helping shift the mindset of leaders because they also need to work on those things that help create a safer space for people to innovate or uh, become more iterative in their decision-making or, or a number of those things. So they, they try to get people to do new practices without starting to adapt and adopt new practices themselves. I particularly love that last one, Josh, but I, I was involved some years ago in helping to set up a, a, an innovation hub in a business. And mm. um, the, 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 you know, the people that I was working with were incredibly enthusiastic, um, but there was, a, there was a division manager who would, uh, who would insist that everything that came through this innovation hub had to come through him for vetting before he was prepared to green light it to go forward for commercialization. And, and his attitude was basically, um, this is going to somehow destroy either part of my revenue stream or something else that I that I hold as a pet project. So I will just stop everything. So the innovation hub came up with, I think, in the three months that we sort of started trialing this, 106 different innovations, of which one was given the green light. And it was one of those oh, moments when I had to go to the chief executive and go, it's a brilliant idea, this innovation hub, but there is a problem. And he looked at me and said, do you know where the problem is? And I said, yes, I know where the problem is. And he said, where is it? I said, it's in that office. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and went, I don't know how to solve that problem. And I went, and that's nothing I can do to help you. You're absolutely right. The mindset is so critical, isn't it? You know, the, the number of chief executives who go, well, if we can just make it work, it will be fine. But I don't really want to disturb anything that's going on around here because it will make other things problematic for me. You, you nailed it there, Stuart. We are in the middle of a fundamental shift that is happening in the world of work and how work is done. And, and what you're seeing is we've had things that worked for many decades that relied more on a command and control sort of approach, right? Our ability to streamline and predict and forecast. And now we have tension, right, between uh, our ability to even predict the future or need things. And so rightly so, the best leaders are saying, I need people to be more adaptable and agile and nimble. And hence, they do all those practices that I was saying before. But it runs into this clash, as you just said, with people who are still trying to hold on to some of those vestiges of what got us to, to where we are right now. And so we're in this interesting liminal space. And, and I think you have to acknowledge that there are some of those beliefs about what maybe success is for that person. Maybe there's even internal things <laughs> that, that your former leader needs to work through to be able to get to a spot to make it okay for some of these new practices mm -hmm. that, that I think most employees and people want to bring into the world. And, and I guess this is the sort of the thrust of the book, Dare to be Naive, that, that, that you've, you've recently gone around to giving to the world. And there's going to be a, a, a link where people can go look at this and have a uh, a look at uh, the book, um, which is here. 
uh, at joshuaberry.com slash dare hyphen two hyphen b hyphen naive. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes for those people that didn't manage to catch it at this stage. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, the sort of advice and, uh, and uh, things that you talk about in that book. And maybe give us some, an insight of something we can go away and do um, with that advice today to help move on some of these mindset shifts we need to do. Yeah. The idea of, of daring to be naive is really about letting go of I already know everything, right? Um, and it's also about tapping into those things that represent not just what's reasonable, but also what feels intuitively correct to look at, right? So back to the example that you used before of, of your leader, um, there's a there's a lot of things that go into protecting ourselves and making us try to feel safe and smart and right and perfect and all of those things. And what we challenge in the book is a lot of times the beliefs that have led us to where we're at today, some of them have become limiting beliefs to what is possible for the future. And it's only until you have a shift into saying, you know what, I might be wrong or you know what, there might be another way. And sometimes even things that might not have been thought before uh, that we're truly going to have progress. And so the book is about all those times where we probably self limit ourselves. We screen ourselves to present only those things that seem acceptable <laughs> to the rest of the world and how we might continue to move through that. Uh, through some of the research and interviews that I've seen, a lot of people fear being seen uh, or labeled as naive. And yet that fear of being seen as naive actually prevents you from having a greater impact and greater joy in your life. The uh, Back to your question about uh, maybe prompting for a free tool. Um, one of the things uh, that we practice in the book, and you can find it on that daretobenaive.com or the, or the link that you shared, is uh, when we look at our practices, similar to the things that we talked about before, too often we're not digging into what the beliefs are that power mm -hmm. those practices, right? And so there's a simple two by two matrix that we use to, to help people. And, and you can find it there or you can email me afterwards if you can't find it. Um, and uh, the tool is basically what is the current practice? Uh, let's take, for instance, um, work from home right now. It then challenges you to say, what are the beliefs either known or maybe just observed or accepted that are powering that practice, right? And then it challenges people to talk about and reflect on what is shifting in those beliefs, right? So, so maybe if maybe the practice is work from home um, and the beliefs are a mixture. Oh, people can't be productive or maybe they can be productive or whatever it might be. You then create conversation uh, either for the leader or for the team to be able to talk about how are those beliefs shifting or evolving? And then from those evolved beliefs, what are new practices that we can begin to experiment with? And so being intentional about understanding how our beliefs inform our practices and having a simple process to, to kind of dissect those and dig into those is uh, one of the things that we explore in the book through a myriad of different examples and ideas. Brilliant. Joshua, I'm, I'm, I think you've, you've, you've really highlighted one of the things that is pretty critical in the workplace today, which is the, the the mindset should have shift. We talk about a lot about servant leadership and things like that, but you know, leaders still have got to get their heads around the allowing people to to to, to become themselves at work, can't they? I, uh, one of my uh, one of the people I've spent some time looking and and, and talking to is a guy called John Timpson who runs a, a, a 
a, a, a series of shops around the UK that are about shoe mm. shops. And he has only two rules for his, the people that work for him. And that is show up and look the part and put the money in the till. And that's it. You know, pretty much after that, his managers, the people that are on the front line, have got free reign to do a whole load of things to really adapt their business practice and process in order to sort of truly serve the customer. As a result, he's grown enormously and he has people working for him who have worked for years and will never work anywhere else because they turn around and say, when it comes to spending money, he gives me free reign to do what I want. And, you know, so long as so long as they make a profit and so long as he can sort of see them making a profit, it gets out of their way. As a, as a, a chairman of a large company, he just gets out of their way and leaves them to it. That's a... That's an attitude very few leaders have managed to grasp and put, put, put on in their organisation. I think it's inspiring when I hear people like you sort of talk about some of this stuff and how to make that happen. Yeah, you hit upon it there, Stuart. Uh, and the, one of the stories that I cover in the book uh, talks about uh, a manufacturing facility, uh, actually in France, uh, that... Uh, the CEO took it over and it was a traditional manufacturing facility, right? Where uh, time clock cards and you get penalized if you show up late, uh, all of the materials and supplies are locked up in the closet and you got to go take your coupon to be able to get new supplies and materials. And uh, when Jean-Francois showed up at that factory, he started to say, why did we design an organization that assumes humans are wrong or bad or trying yeah. to be lazy or trying to get away with things? What would happen if we designed an organization from the opposite that assumed humankind was good? And they stripped away the controls. They stripped away a number of those things. And you know what? People started to show up earlier. <laughs> they started to care about what they were doing. Quality went up, engagement went up, their market share went up. There was amazing impact and a great return on that investment. And so we cover in the book that like it, it isn't one or the other. We, we, we talked about it as two ROIs. You can get ripples of impact and a return on investment. And similar to what your leader uh, that you were just highlighting there um, with the cashiers, it isn't, oh, I'm only going to do it as long as I'm going to get these results. We're not telling you to ignore those sorts of things, but it's amazing how many stories are out there of when you do choose to prioritize treating people as human, treating people as wanting to give something uh, and honoring people, that a lot of times a decent ROI also comes on the backside of that. And sometimes it's hard to have the faith or the optimism or the hope to be able to push through some of that. It's the dare to be naive, right? It's a, it's a great message, Shafna. I, I, I love the fact that I think one of the things that you're sort of highlighting there is that the return on investment is so often in things that are difficult to measure or, or almost in those intangibles. You know, if you can reduce churn, if you can keep somebody working for your organisation longer, you know, you reduce recruitment costs, you recruit rec retention costs, you recruit, uh, you re reduce your your retraining costs, you get people who are better attuned to your customers, your ethos, all those sort of things. difficult things to measure that people just therefore just don't measure. And as a result, they go, OK, well, if we can't measure it, we'll ignore it. And yet it has a huge impact upon the bottom line. If you are constantly having to recruit team members and they're just they're there for a month or two and then go because they've been treated horribly, 
we don't measure that, but what we don't, what we don't, as a result, we miss out on is the is the impact that that has on the bottom line. Where people just turn around and go, I can't understand why it costs us so much. And yet, you know, it, going back to sort of simple retail store, if 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 those costs are built in, they raise the price. And yet, people will look around and go, I don't know, what's, don't know what happens, but down the road, that warehouse, everything's much cheaper. Uh, and everybody always seems to be the same. I don't know what's going on. And that's something that just is so often not measured, even by HR departments who are trying to sort of find these things and work out what they are. I, I think you're right, Stuart. There, there is definitely a concrete ROI that you can see from those good actions, from retention and loyalty and productivity, et cetera. Uh, I will throw out there, and this is probably maybe a little controversial for, at least for me, eight o'clock coffee. Um <laughs> I wonder if sometimes even our thought of retention is maybe the wrong term, right? Because it, it sets up an organization and an employee as some, as a person to be retained, right? Stuart, I don't know your relationship status and we don't need to get into this, but imagine with my spouse, if I went into thinking about what is my retention of my spouse, right? Like that's, that's from an unconditional love standpoint, like that that's, that's probably not something that I'm going to go for. And yet we, I know, I know it's not a perfect uh, analogy here, but when we start to think about the active care and concern for the people who are serving us in this organization, employees, and the consumers and people that we're serving, what would happen if we started from another standpoint instead of saying, I need to retain this person? And we said, what would I need to do to make this person want to be here? And I would be okay. If they didn't, I, we work with a great yeah, leader yeah, of HR yeah. who said before um, uh, this, this individual works in um, a community, has several Fortune 500 companies. She said the future belongs to a place where I might have someone who works down there at Union Pacific, down there at Mutual of Omaha and some of their time over here with me. If I understand that that's how the community is going to be, or even short-sighted, I understand that I'm helping prepare people who go out into the community that I want to live in, why wouldn't I prioritize the growth and the difference, uh, right, that we're able to do it? So um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a challenge that's out there. It's baked into, a friend yesterday was telling me, you know, it's baked into the word, the war on talent, right? It, it implies that there has to be this, this tension or this otherness that happens to it. And, and I think more and more successful leaders are testing the ideas that there can be a different relationship there. Yeah, and I think we've just had that comment come in that the retention is a word that introduces control. And you're right, it, it's, a, it's about, it's about uh, that introduction of a lack of trust and falling back on our beliefs. And, and I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know who the user is that's just doing that on mobile. I'll find out as we get back out of this. But, but you know, I can remember in some of the companies that I've been working with, I have had words with managers when I say to them that one of the ways that I measure them as a success is if there are people that come through and get promoted and they go out into bigger roles, because as far as I'm concerned, their job as a manager is to ensure that the people that they are working with, they coach to go on and do better. And, and you know, actually the manager looks at you as if to say, but, but aren't I measured on people leaving? And I go, yeah, but that, there's this, what I'm trying to do is turn around and say, if that person leaves, they leave to a different part of the company or they go and do something else. You've, you've there, they've got a, a, somebody who will be grateful to you forever for what you've done for them. And you will always be able to speak to them and go, do you have a young person that's ready for the next 
I'll take them. I'll move them on in exactly the way that you've been moved on. And they'll be throwing people your way and you'll get the best talent in your department because there will be people who trust you. And it's back to trust. It is, it is largely around getting them to trust that you really do have the best in, uh, heart and their best interests. And yeah. that grows the entire operation, grows the organization as a whole. That sounds like an amazing legacy, right? To be able to leave behind, 100%. So, it, Joshua, there must be some um, uh, course or, or program or, or something which really started you down the path of, of starting to think like this. Do you, do you share that with us so that we can all yeah. go on the same journey that you've gone on. Uh, and with this, I'm now going to take a sip of coffee. This is going to, I'm going yeah. to need you to for a couple of You know, if, if, if any... If any of my family is listening or friends who know me too much, they know I have a book problem. And so uh, there, there is quite a bit, uh, quite quite a number. So I, I will try my best. Um, more recent ones uh, that have influenced some of this belief. Uh, one is, uh, there's a couple of authors. Diana Chapman is the main one that comes to mind of uh, the book called 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership uh, is, is a great book that has helped me think through uh, some of those shifts. Um, I would say there's been a lot of inner work uh, that I've gone through to because you do have to yourself. And so there's a number of programs, whether it's been through the Purpose Guide Institute or um, or other coaches uh, or, or people that I've worked with who have really helped me start to understand what are the stories that are in my head that prevent me from entertaining so many other ideas that might be out there. So. Uh, for instance, you know, I needed to, there's no such thing as a book problem. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Uh, Melissa is ahead of me on reading books this year anyway. <laughs> uh, so I can't claim I have a book problem, I guess. When I think about, uh, specifically though, the um, ability to be able to like uh, recommend books, I think there's so many. And I think just the act of people being open and curious and learning and wanting to try and dig into something different, I think that is what's helpful. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, any programs that focus on inner work and what the stories are that you're telling yourself. You know, in our organization, we experimented with increased transparency of not only our financials, but even pay over the last couple of years. If I hadn't done some of my own inner work to understand what are my hesitations to share that as 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 the owner and CEO of the company, like there's no way we're going to move beyond that. And so yeah. uh, any leaders who are starting to say like, I, if this feels like a thing I want to do, but all the rest of the world and everything is saying no, uh, spend a little bit of time doing some inner work just to truly understand what are the things you gain and what do you lose by holding on to some of those beliefs that may actually be time to sunset. I think you're absolutely right, Jeff, in terms of in terms of that. One of the things that I did um, with a guy at the company that we grew from, um, well, and initially about three of us through to about 60 people, uh, I basically took the entire company and I said, right, I'm going to teach you how to read the company accounts. Um, mm -hmm. And um, once a month on a Friday, I'm going to stand up and talk to you about what's going on in the business and you can ask me any questions you like. And I was astounded, first of all, that you know, I thought that, the, you know, I had a couple of people turn around me and go, what, what, what if they ask about so-and-so? And I go, well, I'm going to be honest. I mean, you know, there's a problem. They might as well know about it because they might know how to solve it. And that was exactly the attitude I got. There were people who were standing up and going, well, why are we doing that? Why are we spending money on that? We could do that. that. You go, okay, fine. We can, we can cut that. Or 
I've got an idea of how we could sell this. And I go, terrific. You know, let's get together and talk about exactly what we do to turn that into a product. People who you would, you'd imagine would never, never be interested in doing such things. But wow, the opportunity is, is just, uh, it's just, it's just fantastic to take people on that journey. I, I, lo I love that. You know, the, the purpose of Econic, uh, is truly to create the space for people to practice the behaviors that grow themselves and the organization. And you just nailed it right there. Like, I, I believe that my community, for sure, my family, I know, will be even greater if they get an opportunity to build their financial acumen, their business acumen, as you shared, right? And if we continually see that what we're doing, you know, if, if there was a question that I would hope you'd ask me, uh, Stuart, it'd be, what is the purpose of work? And, and that was I the question I was about to get here, to get to oh. John. We're going to leap in now. Flipping the, tables. Flipping the tables on you, Stuart. <laughs> leap in now, because the last question I was going to ask you, Joshua, is if there's a question that I haven't yet asked you. What is it? And now you need to answer it. So oh. I'm glad that we've got to that stage without me needing to do anything more, any more work. <laughs> well, okay. Um, what is the purpose of work? Um, and I... I truly believe in in today's world where where I think there's fewer and fewer institutions that bring people together for that growth. I think work can begin and, and continue to be a place for people to practice, right? Those opportunities to grow themselves, right? And that work, whether it's whether it's social experiences, whether it's collaboration, whether it's trust, whether it is creativity, curiosity. Uh, whether it's finding meaning, right? There's there's really few places that we spend more time than work. And if we mm -hmm. take the opportunity to say, you know what, all of our work, all of our projects, all of the things that we're working on are not only a space to be able to grow the organization, but maybe first and foremost, to help grow the people who are working through that. Again, I think growth becomes an outcome of that. And you have all the other great ripples of impact that happen uh, that are beyond that. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that's that ties back to the mission uh, that that I'm definitely working on, and um, I'm excited to be able to share with everybody today, Stuart. So thank you. Listen, Joshua, this has been a really fascinating discussion. I'm gonna, I'm just going to point out once again, uh, you need to go check out Joshua's book, which is at joshuaberry.com/slash dare to be naive. There with hyphens in between each of those words, otherwise it would just run into one. Very <laughs> you, you can also just go to dare to be naive.com or dare to be naive.com. Yeah, so, uh, please, uh, go, go check out Joshua's book. And, um, my thanks to you, Josh, for coming and spending a few uh, minutes with us here. Um, listen, uh, I'm just gonna just gonna wrap this up by saying if you would like to get a pre notification, we send we do one of these pretty much every Tuesday. If you'd like to get notification before the event so that you can join on the live and Ask questions, as you've seen, we've had comments and questions coming in during this discussion. Uh, why don't you go to this link, which is uh, https colon slash slash link thecompleteapproach.co.uk uh, slash newsletter. That gets you onto the mailing list. You come out once every week with a little bit of a, a blurb from me just telling you who's coming up. And you can be on the LinkedIn Live and watch out for that um, each week. And then obviously you can obviously also subscribe to the podcast and hear these when they get issued as a podcast. Joshua, thank you so much uh, for your time. I'm just going to leave the link back up. It's been a fascinating discussion. I love what you're doing with Econic uh, and the, the book. 
please uh, keep us informed. Let us know what's going on. And we look forward to watching the progress uh, in the future. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, and if I had to leave you with one last thing, um, do you know the secret to taking good coffee on the go? <laughs> I secret, no. it's, it's not where you're going. It's where you've been. <laughs> Stuart, thanks for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Goodbye. Please Bye. take your jokes with you. <laughs> I'm going to get us out with a quick, quick wrap-up video. <laughs>